Hey, everybody. Good to have you here. It's 1035, so we're going to go ahead and begin. Uh, we have people in the kitchen this way again. We have people out towards the dining room and living room this way. Those of you meeting at other homes for Mercy Seat, um, God bless you. I hope your worship went good. Um, ours was pretty good, and we plan to worship a little bit more after we're done with the sermon and, and get off here. We decided not to um, live stream the worship with the sermon because it's we're not real good and editing can be time consuming and things like this. Um, so good to have you here. Those of you in your homes also, God bless you. Um, this morning I want to take a break again from the book of Acts. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 20. I've been preaching through there. That's how we usually preach at Mercy Seat. We go through a book at a time, verse by verse, and we're in our 42nd book going through our 42nd book, 31 years, and then we mix it up with topical sermons and that type of thing. So I'm going to take a break from Acts, and I'm going to do a sermon this morning on COVID-19 and quarantine. COVID-19 and quarantine. That's the title of my sermon this morning. So why don't we um, read out of Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, and then we'll pray, and then I'll begin to preach. Here's what the word of God declares. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon is COVID-19 and quarantine. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would use this time in your word for good, for people to understand your law, your ways, your thoughts, O oh God, so that um, we can see that there's application to real life, including this matter of what's going on with COVID-19, how the governments of the world are behaving in the midst of it in comparison to your law. And Lord, I just ask that you help me to share and to declare that which you've given me to proclaim. Use it for good in Christ Jesus' name I ask. Amen. So I hope this is okay here. I'm going to move it in just a hair more. Move that just a little bit like that. So it isn't quite as bright. And put that like that. Hopefully that's good for you. Um, God's word speaks to all matters of life, including the matter of quarantining. The Lord speaks of this in his law here in Leviticus 13. The whole chapter is about quarantining. And when we look at the law of God, we see one thing that comes through loud and clear. And it is this. You do not quarantine the whole of society. You quarantine the sick. That's what comes through loud and clear. You look at our text, verses 45 and 46, where they were living at that time. If someone had this contagious sickness, they were put outside the camp. They were quarantined at that time. But you did not quarantine the whole of society. That was not done, as is being done here with COVID-19. Notice in God's law that the rights and freedoms of the entire population are not abridged just because there is disease. Notice also in God's law that the rights and freedoms 
of the entire population are not abridged just because there is disease or a virus or sickness of some kind, contagion of some sort. And understand this, please understand, disease is always around in any society. You cannot spend your life hiding from germs, viruses, and diseases. And I've heard many people over the last two weeks, it's like they want to spend the rest of their life just hiding from sickness and disease and virus. Under God's law, there was a process to determine the person was truly sick with the contagion. If they were, then you separated them out. You quarantined them. Look at verses 1 through 11, because there was a process to determine whether you actually had it or not. You didn't quarantine the whole of society. There was a process to determine whether you should be quarantined. Verse 1 of chapter 13, let's start there, Leviticus. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore, then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. That means you immediately go outside the camp. You're quarantined at that point. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. See, there's a process involved here to determine whether you actually have the sickness and have this contagion and can share it with others. Goes on in verse 7, but if the scab should at all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the leprosore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. He goes right to outside the camp. He is quarantined immediately. See, there's a process here to determine whether it, all your freedoms are not just abridged. You know, there's a process that takes place in God's law. You quarantine the sick, not the whole of society, and there's a process to determine whether you're sick or not before you are quarantined. In this, we see the goodness and grace of God's law. Listen to me now. God's law is more gracious and protects freedom more than man's law. You don't abridge every other person's freedom. You quarantine the sick. God's law doesn't destroy the economy and lives of others. God's prescription was intended to protect society, not only from the disease, but from economic hardship upon those who weren't diseased, which results in impoverishment when you destroy the economy. Notice it had to be proven that you have the disease 
not just that you might, or we have to figure out if everybody does. God understands that a society's needs are multidimensional. You do not abridge the rights and freedom of everyone and shut down the whole of society. Very important to understand. Again, when you look at God's law, you see that you quarantine the sick, not the whole of society, like what we have going on with COVID-19, where they've just shut everything down. (laughs) And listen, if things were noticeably, terribly bad, people would themselves stay in their homes and avoid public places. They wouldn't need the government to tell them to do it. They would see it for themselves and they would understand Man, I'm going to have as little contact with anyone as possible. That's what they would do. They're banking on all this stuff of it is bad and it creeps around and you don't know who has it and everybody can get it and blah, blah, blah. We're going to address all that here as we continue on through here. But like people like my hill down here, like if there was people coming down the hill like zombies or something, right? Okay, we know it's bad at that point, right? If people are sick and they're really are all these things. I talk to people in the medical field around here. They're like, um, there's no overflow of, of COVID-19 people. There's nothing. We've put up these buildings out in our parking lots, these tent cities, and, yeah, we haven't had to use them, and all this kind of stuff. So let me get back to my what I sa- said here. If things were bad, people see it for themselves, they automatically – keep themselves from being around others needlessly. If there's an actual plague, history has proven this is what mankind has done at such times of plague. But in our current situation regarding COVID-19, we have no evidence that we should all hide in our homes and avoid public places like some paranoid germaphobe, like we've all become Howard Hughes of old, you know, (laughs) and walk around and wipe everything down and act like we're paranoid of being by each other and all that kind of stuff. The numbers don't add up for this kind of response by governments to COVID-19. As I pointed out in last week's sermon, and I could go over numbers again this week and say so much about that. By the way, we found out why Italy's numbers were so high. They made it clear through news stories that came out. Major news outlets reported this, that the reason they had a higher number was because they were saying that if anyone had COVID-19, that's what they died from. The National Institutes of Health came in and determined that only 12% of those who had been labeled to die from COVID-19 should have been labeled that way. And Italy still hasn't changed how they're recording their numbers. That's why they're still the highest at 9,000 deaths now, because if you have it, they're automatically saying that's what you died from, even though you didn't die from it in 88% of the cases, according to the NIH, National Institutes of Health. They still keep doing it that way. Um, the people who are dying, most of them have some sort of malady or two or three maladies already. And is often the case when you're elderly and you have some malady or uh, morbidity, they um, something else finishes you off, like the flu finishes you off. So what Italy's done is now they say 9,000 people, and this is what the media does too, 9,000 people have died with COVID-19 leaving people the impression that 9,000 some people have died from COVID-19 because they use the word died with, but they don't clarify. And so what they're, what they're doing is fooling people because not all of them died from COVID-19. In fact, the vast minority of them died 
from COVID-19. So it's wrong with the, anyways, I spent all kinds of time dealing with numbers again this week um, that I'd love to do, but I, I want to move on and just keep talking about this matter of quarantine. So the government can and should make orders under prescribed prior law. There is time for government to do that. Absolutely. We see in God's law that they have the authority to do that regarding these quarantine laws. Government can and should make orders under prescribed prior law regarding such matters when things are really bad, but they're not here. Their actions are not justified here regarding COVID-19. You'll always have some people who don't listen when there's a great contagion going on. The magistrates must have authority in those situations. Now, listen, notice how much is devoted to the law of quarantine. More detail is devoted to this law than any other law in all of God's law. This law of quarantine, more is devoted to this law than any other law, the details, than any other law in all of God's law. By the way, listen to me now, no other ancient law code has these kinds of quarantine prescriptions or even approaches the questions of public health. But why so much space devoted to the law of quarantine? Why is it so drawn out and long here in God's word? I believe it is, at least in part, because of fear. People fear contagion. People fear virus and disease. People naturally fear contagions. And here with COVID-19, you have the media and the government fomenting fear and hysteria. Here with COVID-19, you have the media and the government fomenting fear and hysteria. And that should concern you because a virus is the perfect narrative to justify tyranny. A virus is the perfect narrative to justify tyranny because you already have scared the population. They're willing to give up anything just to be safe. We have learned in our current situation with COVID-19 that you can stampede an entire nation of people with the virus and fear. Look at the hysteria they've created. I, I wrote on Facebook yesterday, quarantine the media. And then I add in parentheses and the dopey government officials following the lead of scientific experts. We have learned that a virus is the perfect narrative for tyranny. Last week, I talked about how governments use pretense and pretext, tragedy and crises, and employ fear. They do this in order to accrue power to themselves and to make the people more subjugated to them. We know from history that disease and plague and sickness, contagions, viruses, all produce fear. And we also know that governments will use that fear for their own ends. We have many instances we know from history where viruses and plagues were used to demonize certain people groups. We even have a recent one we can point to when it came to the Nazis. According to historian and author Alex Alvarez, the Nazis fostered conditions to portray Jews as natural disease carriers to justify their genocidal actions. Here's what Alvarez writes. He says, under the Nazis, this supposed connection between Jews and disease created the ideal situation for a self-fulfilling prophecy. The segregation of the Jews from the general population could be justified on the grounds of preventing the transmission of disease. And once they had been crowded into ghettos and deprived of enough food and sanitation facilities, the outbreak of disease in these places was inevitable. The Nazis, however, attributed it to the Jewish propensity to carry disease. 
not the conditions in the ghetto. In short, the Nazis were able to portray their discriminatory and genocidal actions as necessary to maintain the health and welfare of German society. This is just one example. There are many I could go through through history. Jews were demonized for spreading disease, even though bad living conditions and sanitation were the main reason for outbreaks because they were rounded up and put in these ghettos. And we had an example of this just last year here in America of a certain group of people being demonized by government, namely those who are opposed to some or all vaccinations. You remember just a year ago at this time, we had the great measles outbreak, which consisted of a whole 127 people from 10 states. And remember, the media made a huge deal about this and how we all need to get vaccinated and how terrible it is these people who aren't getting vaccinated. And they even held congressional hearings. You can, If you forget, you can go look at the history, just Google it. And they talked there about mandatory or let's just say what it is, forced by the arm of the state vaccinations. And the press spent about three or four months demonizing anyone who was opposed to some or all vaccination. Demonized them, made people feel that those people and they should be arrested and their children should be taken from them. I debated people on Facebook for nearly two months on that issue. And I was stunned at how many Christians are so statist in their thinking that they believe that if you don't get vaccinated, you should be put in jail and your children should be taken from you. That is evil and wicked. It's the same demonization process here that has gone on by mankind down through history where they target a certain people, group of people, and they demonize them. And when you watch Event 201, which was put on by the big pro-vaccination people, Bill Gates, Mike Bloomberg, wicked rich men like that, and their little medicinal cartel of experts that they've put together. Yeah, they're all busy demonizing those who are against some or all vaccinations. They want you to unthinkingly, uncritically thinkingly, just get vaccinated. They want to spread so much fear that you will just run and do it. And the government's aiding and abetting their illusion to the people in the nation. And God may be using it as a judgment upon us as a delusion because of how wicked we are in this nation. And we are wicked. So it's, we have this recent example. We learned from that situation how status people are. This week, talk about demonization. Do you know there's a new term that has just been put into the urban dictionary? It's called COVID idiot. COVID idiot. It's meant to demonize those who are against some or all vaccinations. The naysayers, disbelievers, this is what it says in the news article, the naysayers, disbelievers, and rule breakers in the global fight against COVID-19 have been honored with a new term describing their dim-witted defiance. That's in Fox News. Dim-witted defiance. That's how they're reporting it. That's meant to demonize and belittle. The term is COVID idiot. And then the story goes on to talk about how dictionaries are embracing this new term and that it defines the offender as someone who ignores the warnings regarding public health or safety, because that's what it's all about. You don't care about the rest of us. You haven't been vaccinated. Oh, grab him, force him to be vaccinated or put him in jail. Take his children from him, vaccinate them. 
It's an attack by state government upon family government, upon self-government. It's wicked, it's evil, and how stupid can you be to go along with it? And 99% of Americans have never done any research in any of this. They just listen to the hysteria. And the hysteria continues. Just go to Fox, go to ABC, go to any of these places. On their websites, it's a complete hysteria that they're creating. Meanwhile, we look with our eyes and we're like, I'm not seeing that. We talk to people in the medical field. I'm not seeing that. I've been putting doctors all up on my Facebook wall because they don't get the big headline out news outlets to say what they have to say who are debunking COVID-19 and the whole narrative that the experts, scientific experts, and the government have been promoting. So this is important to understand. Let me move along here. Did you see how they demonized Tom Macy this last week? Congressman out of Kentucky. Fox News had a big story. ABC, all of them. Furious lawmakers race back to Capitol as rogue lawmaker may scuttle stimulus bill. Okay? This is the $2.2 trillion, which is going to enslave people and further destroy our economy. You know, it's a short-term fix creating a long-term problem. They want to add, by the way, $4 trillion on top of this. This is unheard of in the history of our country, by the way, that type of spending. So the whole story is about how Tom Macy, who I know is one of like three decent congressmen in all of America, they're demonizing him as a rogue guy saying he wants to scuttle it, he wants to delay it. That wasn't what he was doing at all. All he said is, I want a roll call vote. They all wanted a voice vote so they could hide behind their vote. So when everything's bad six months from now in the economy, they can say, well, I didn't vote for that $2.2 trillion because it was a voice vote. and they could hide. He wanted a roll call vote so nobody could hide. That's why they were furious. <laughs> they weren't furious because he was trying to stop the bill. He, they were furious because they couldn't hide in anonymity regarding their vote concerning the bill. This is all demonization, calling him rogue, putting the pressure of the entire media and the GOP and Democrat leaders against him. And by the way, they got the bill passed without a roll call vote. Um, I want you to know there's a great paper on my website from a Tennessee doctor. Um, just go there. Um, and he discussed many important things regarding quarantining, COVID-19, and churches, the church's response, including should churches gather or not during this time. Um, so if you go to my Facebook wall, look for what says mercy seat, just scroll down and you'll see that there from the Tennessee doctor. In fact, I'll post it here. I'll also post a few other website links onto the description here after we're done and we post it and everything. If you study the history of this matter, you find this matter of plagues or contagions being being around in a really bad way. If you study the history of this matter, you find that most churchmen have no problem with the magistrates closing public places, even churches, for a time during the plagues. They have no problem with that. As long as there's actually a plague, <laughs> as long as there's actually evidence of the threat that they can see, they have no problem with it. There is no evidence for it here. It's a hysteria created by the media. The vast, 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 vast majority of people are going to live. Okay? People die in any kind of flu-like sickness, which COVID-19 is a flu-like sickness. Go on here. 
COVID-19 is not such a situation, even where it is optional for churches to meet or not, by such orders in various states, nearly all, if not all, of the churches shut down. Rather than teaching their congregants proper thinking, they aid and abet the hysteria. Here's the two things that I want to kind of finish this sermon with regarding quarantine. The first is this, but we do not know who has it and is spreading it. I've heard that a million times and I've responded to that a million times. That is hyperbole um, this past week. But we do not know who has it and is spreading it. We have to hide. Okay. Spooks, yes. So we must follow the experts and not God's law. That's what all the Christians are saying, or a lot of the Christians are saying. This is what I call the quibbling of tyrants and the gullibility of slaves. Quibbling of tyrants and the gullibility of slaves. Here's how I respond. We should follow God's law, not man's law, regarding the matters of sickness and quarantine. We should not be dazzled by the obfuscations and surmisings of wicked men and the hysteria that they've created. They want to make not knowing who is sick the real issue so that everyone will go along with their tyranny and they can lock down the whole nation, pass two trillion in spending and and whatever remains to be seen before this is over. Every projection the experts have proffered has been proven wrong. That big model that was first put out where millions were going to be dead out of London has been refuted by Stanford. It's been refuted by Oxford. The numbers are way lower. It ain't going to be any, it's going to be like any other flu virus is what they're projecting. Every projection the experts have proffered has been proven wrong so far as their models have proven faulty and false. There is no evidence for these unprecedented actions by governments regarding this virus. The vast, vast, vast majority survive. The Bible says the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. While this government wants to act like they care about the elderly, they uphold the slaughter of the pre-born. They spit upon his created order regarding marriage and make law consistently contrary to his law. God says adultery is a crime. They say it's no crime at all, right? God's word says sodomy is a crime. They say, oh, it's no crime at all. Everything they do, they seem to go to God's word, see what he has to say, and then they make law exactly the opposite. And yet all the dopes think that this government which has oversaw the slaughter of over 60 million preborn babies, cares about them. They're doing what this government has always done, using one group of people to say that we should love this group of people in order to justify their evil actions. So they're making a big deal about the elderly and how they'll get the sickness, and the elderly will get sick because the elderly do get sick, and some of them will die because they do die. That's how life goes with any flu-like sickness. This alternative, we should follow God's law. The alternative they've created is a recipe for tyranny. They have everybody separated out. They can come to anybody's home with a SWAT team. They can do to you what they can't do if we're able to assemble as the people and check our government. It's the perfect recipe for tyranny, and you should be concerned about it. We should not be forced to be tested by the state or vaccinated by force of the state. When people are sick, it is noticeable. We do not have to, nor should we, track down everyone who carries the virus. Such an idea, now listen to me now, such an idea shows an ignorance of viruses and how they work. 
Such an idea shows an ignorance of viruses and how they work. And I just want to quote two doctors here for you. And there's so many more that I found during this last week. Dr. Yoram Lass, who's the former chief of the health ministry in Israel. He's the former chief of their health ministry in Israel, stated in an interview about COVID-19 about a week ago. Here's what he said. Listen to me now. Whoever thinks that the government ends viruses is completely wrong. What really happens? The virus, which nobody can stop, spreads throughout the population, and then the population, not those at risk, are exposed to the virus, and simultaneously the body creates antibodies to shut down and prevent the disease. At the moment in Israel, the virus is being spread around by a great many people who don't know that they have it, and people are being exposed and becoming immune. The chain of infection is broken, and in that way, the virus comes to a halt. That's Dr. Yoram Lass, former chief of the health ministry in Israel. Amen. This is how viruses work and are stopped, not shutting down all the society and vaccinating the population. Whoever thinks he starts out that the government ends viruses is completely wrong. Here's the doctor from Tennessee that I mentioned who wrote an awesome paper, which, again, I encourage you to read. Go to my wall for it in order to read what he has to say. He says this, an argument can be made that social distancing of the healthy, low-risk population is the last thing we want to do. If COVID-19 becomes cyclical, the more people with pre-existing immunity, the better, as past exposure will go a long way towards minimizing future disease spread within the community during future cyclical outbreaks. Many will think this assertion just plain crazy, but those of us old enough, 60 and more, will recall the chickenpox and measles, possibly the most contagious virus on earth, parties of our youth. It seems as though our mothers would give current public health authorities a run for their money as to public health expertise. Herd immunity is real, but only realistically achievable by natural infection. Herd immunity by any vaccine, while widely and aggressively attempted, has never been proven, only surmised, unquote. And yet most Americans, they won't read any of this type of stuff. They won't learn. They won't investigate themselves. They just believe the hysteria, and they've been taught all their lives just to do whatever the government tells them unquestioningly, and they sit under pulpits who've taught them that all their life too. Romans 13, yeah, if the preborn have to be murdered, you just have to stand there and say nothing about it. It's evil, it's wrong, it's wicked. So that's the first thing I want you to understand, that this is their game. To say, but we don't know who has it, so everyone must be tested. Everyone needs the vaccination. That's wrong. It shows an ignorance of how viruses work in itself. And that's what those doctors were addressing. Second thing I want you to know before we end this sermon is that Leviticus 13 makes clear that the state is to protect society from an actual contagion regarding the laws of quarantine, but it is family and church government that should provide for people while they are in quarantine or help people while they are in quarantine. 
The state protects society by upholding the quarantine laws. They are not commissioned by God to provide for the quarantine like we do in the statist hell we live in called America. Many find that odd, my assertion that I just made. The state does this. Family and church government does that. Many find that odd because we live in a statist hell. Statism is where the state is the be-all and end-all. They cure every ill. They have the answer for every problem, and we always look to them, and that is absolutely wrong. God has created three great governments. They all have their own jurisdiction, functions, and limits, and that's family government, church government, and civil government, all meant to produce within the individual self-government. This is very important to understand. What we have now is a status tell where everything is brought under the jurisdiction of the state. Family is government is attacked. Church government is annexed. Many might, so many find that odd, my assertion, because we live in a state as hell. But in a godly society, this would be where the church comes in. You know, all the pastors are talking about, oh, we should just help people. Do what? And what are they doing? They're hiding out in their homes. And um, this is where family and church would help the quarantine. And it is, in fact, what the church and churchmen did all through history, help those who were sick and were quarantined. I just want to share this little vignette to sum it up. Listen to me now. Quote, it's from a history book. During Calvin's ministry, Geneva was terrorized by the plague on five occasions. During the first outbreak in 1542, Calvin personally led visitations into plague-infected homes, knowing that this effort likely carried a death sentence. The city fathers intervened to stop him because of their conviction that his leadership was indispensable. The pastors continued this heroic effort under Calvin's guidance, and they recounted the joy of multiple conversions. Many pastors lost their lives in this cause. Unknown to many, Calvin privately continued his own pastoral care in Geneva and other cities where the plague raged. Calvin's pastoral heart, already evidenced by the provision of hospitals for both citizens and immigrants, was further revealed as he collected the necessary resources to establish a separate hospital for plague victims. When believers died, he preached poignant funeral homilies with passion and personal concern. So I just share that little vignette from history to show you this is how men, the church and churchmen have always resulted. In a godly society, this is the role that the church would play to provide for, to help with family government and providing for the needs of those who are ill. Uh, nowadays, the church has reduced itself to a sideshow and the sidelines like a water boy or to pretend or a pretend servant boy given a job that has no true meaning. Remember last week I talked about that love thing the pastors are saying? Pastors are all talking about how we simply need to love people during this time who are hurting, who are needy, who have the virus. But you have to ask, where are these people? Literally, where are these people? You can't even go to the hospitals where they're at. They won't even let clergymen in now. I know. They won't let me in. <laughs> they won't let you in to most of these hospitals now. It's insane. So where are these people and what are you actually doing if you know of one person or two? They have regulated Christianity once again to this little sideshow in the culture while sounding so spiritual. So easy to talk about loving people you currently do not see or may not see at all or ever. Meanwhile, the preborn continue to be slaughtered and yet they aren't there showing love to them. In fact, one of the death camps, Planned Parenthood, our people from our church were 
and other Christians who were there, there were only seven of them, were thrown away under threat of arrest this past week for trying. That's essential that you can murder your own son or daughter, according to Governor Tony Evers here in Wisconsin. So you can murder your baby and gather there to do that. But if you go out to speak up at the pre-board, you're going to be run off by the police. It's wicked. Also, at the other death camp affiliated, we found other lesser magistrates, police officers who have allowed us to remain there to speak up for the pre-board. But we've seen no influx of Christians who want to love all these people suddenly showing up to love people who actually need some love shown to them, the helpless pre-born. I've spent the last week hearing and reading all the dopey spiritual talk I've heard pastors and Christians say about this COVID-19 mat, and it is dopey. It's sideline, sideshow, water boy stuff. No leadership, nothing to say to the magistrates, no practical direction from God's word as to what to do in the situation. Just sideshow, sideline, water boy stuff. Nothing from the word of God as to what to do. Just all narcissistic hogwash. And here is something that I found where this certain churchman was telling people six things they could do in our current situation regarding COVID-19. And it's just a taste of what I'm talking about when I say sideline, sideshow, water boy, narcissistic stuff. Here's what he said. First, do not look self-righteously on those who suffer. Begin with yourself. Repent of your sins. So the first thing we're supposed to do is not look self-righteously at others and just look at ourselves. Second, seek God's sanctifying grace in your life. Don't waste your affliction. Don't waste this affliction. Allow the affliction to be used for good in your life, he says. Third, plead with God that in wrath he would remember mercy. Pray that he would withdraw the hand of judgment and show grace. Pray that many would come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through this pandemic, pray for opportunities to speak to your neighbors about the holiness and grace of God. Pray for the live streaming of services. Many people that would not go to church services are hearing the gospel. Fourth, pray for those people outside the world that are seriously ill. Pray that God would spare their lives. Pray for those who do not have basic necessities of daily. Pray that there will not be a worldwide economic recession. And I've talked about this before, how churchmen take prayer and use it as false piety. They put prayer in the place of actual action in order to justify their inaction. It's a wrong. It's called false piety. Fifth, he says, and this is just how they are, the churchmen, do not be anxious because that's important. That's important that you not be anxious. God will take care of you. Sixth, through our lifetime in self isolation and quarantine, we can develop great empathy for our brothers and sisters around the world who have not been allowed to meet it on the Lord's Day for corporate worship. So because we're all forced in our homes now, um, we should be developing empathy within ourselves for other people. So listen to me now. Are you listening? I know some of the kids are moving around here. I've been a little lengthy. So we are not to be self-righteous. We're to use the affliction for our personal life. So we're not to be self-righteous. We're to use the affliction for our personal life. We're to pray. We're to not be anxious. We're to have empathy inside ourselves for others. What do you have here? Narcissistic, narcissistic hogwash. 
That's what you have here. It's all about looking inward and me. No leadership, nothing to say to the magistrates, no practical direction from God's word as to what to do in the situation. Just the sideshow, sideline, water boy stuff. Narcissistic nonsense. You do understand our lives are in God's hands, right? He is the great sovereign or potentate. He is the king of kings and lord of lords now, not just in the future. 1 Timothy 6.15 makes that clear. Our lives are in his hands. You cannot spend your life hiding from germs and disease. Because that's what I've talked to people and people have put on my posts and stuff. That's what they're coming to the conclusion of. We should all just be like Howard Hughes was and stay in our homes and wear our little clothes and have no human contact with others and wear gloves and all this kind of stuff. It's, It's mindless. It's an insanity. God is the sovereign. I know this. I know if God wants me dead, I can't hide well enough not to die. And if God doesn't want me dead... I know no wicked man can find me and kill me, right? My life is in his hands. And that doesn't mean that I go stand on the railroad tracks over here by my house and stand in front of a speeding train because if God doesn't want me dead, I won't die, (laughs) right? Remember Jesus when he met Satan in Luke 4? Satan was like, throw yourself down. God will keep you alive. Just cast yourself off here. And Jesus rebuked him for that. So, yeah, you don't go stand in front of a speeding train, but your life is in God's hands. He is the sovereign. And if he wants you alive, you'll be alive. If he wants your days are done, your days will be done. Plain and simple. Let me close with this. We're in an information war. Start informing people. (laughs) This is an information war. The media and government are spreading lies, falsehoods, a fraudulent fictional narrative. You must put your little reputation on the line, do some study first, make sure you understand or are convinced of my thoughts on this, and then say something. Because you know what makes tyranny proliferate? The first and foremost thing that is the biggest proliferator of tyranny is silence. Silence. And they want you to feel like a boob, like a COVID idiot to say anything. And there's plenty of Christians and other dopes who will tell you you're an idiot when you actually make a stand and post something exposing their narrative to be false. You must have trust in God. You must be bold in him. And you must speak. Very important. You go to my Facebook wall, and you can learn so much more there. I have tons of stuff posted. Hopefully next week we'll get to Acts chapter 20. Let's close in a word of prayer. And then we'll worship after that. Father, we thank and praise you for this time that we have had in your word regarding the quarantine laws. I ask that you would use it for good. Anything I didn't express very well, I pray that you make it clear to the hearers. Lord, I ask and pray that you would put a fire in their heart to love you more, to serve you more, to be faithful to you in the midst of the situation in which we find ourselves. To not be fearful of their fellow man, 
but to continue to reach out to them, pointing them to your son, Jesus Christ, seeing the need for your son and his redemption. And that when we speak to them, that your Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is incredibly important, Father. Lord, I ask and pray that you would do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. This time, Father, that we are much more with family and in the home, Lord, we just ask and pray that you build good family government in each home, that marriages would be strengthened, not weakened like all the news articles are saying about domestic violence and whatnot. Lord, that parents would see and have that natural God-given love for their children but back in their hearts where they don't even want to send them back to the government schools, oh God, after this is over. But take on the responsibility of educating their children themselves, not by the lawless men who govern state schools, public schools. Lord, I just ask and pray that you would be glorified through our lives and that we would live faithful to you in the days ahead. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.